Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Full disclosure, we are recording this at 2.35 on Saturday afternoon because I have a prior engagement tomorrow and we want to watch the semi-final this afternoon. So if one of us sounds particularly happy and possibly a little bit smug, it's because Brighton have just beat Man City. Uh, Brighton have just beat Tottenham. Like, of course, they haven't beat Man City. <laughs> hold, hold on, that's Wednesday night. That's <laughs> what we're doing. <laughs> yes, it's a um, good result here, isn't it? Wasn't it? Yes, yes. It's uh, it's it's not often you get to sing. Is this the Emirates two weeks in a row in North London as well? <laughs> uh, I, I have to say, Kieran, I found it a difficult watch, partly because of the shadows uh, on the pitch on the screen, and also because they couldn't find that sniper who kept shooting your players every five minutes. It's, I, was, I was particularly worried about that. And how Trossard, your, your physio team must be amazing because Trossard broke his leg at least three times in the first half in the first half alone and was still there to score. Also, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Kieran, I was, I was, washing, some, I was washing some kits because I'm having an existential crisis about what to wear tomorrow. I was planning yeah. to wear, well, I was planning to wear the 1976 shirt, the white one with the, the sash, which isn't my favourite kit, but I thought, well, we beat Chelsea in the quarterfinal with the FA Cup wearing that kit. And then I thought, that's not an omen. If you beat them in the quarterfinal, it's, it's only an omen if you beat them in the semi-final. And then I thought, am I tempting fate too much by wearing a shirt in which we've already beaten Chelsea? Should I wear another one? And now I'm convinced if I do wear that, I'll get jumped by 10 angry 70-year-old Chelsea fans who haven't got over that result from 1976. So, I just don't know what to do, Kieran. I'm, not, I'm, in, a, I'm in a complete dilemma as to which shirt to wear. <laughs> oh, bring, bring a spare. I could do that, couldn't I? Apparently it's going to be horribly hot, which has already got me in a bad mood. Um, anyway, should we do this pod, Kieran? Um, uh, just pausing for a moment yes, to, say yes, for, let's, so, let's. to say goodbye to the BAFTA chap already. It's, <laughs> yeah. And then for some reason they started talking about 1976 football shirts. It's sponsored by a, a, a comedy industry pod I don't understand what's going on um, which is pretty much an illustration of my world at the moment Kieran it's <laughs> questions day some of these questions are very good I have to say uh, again that doesn't imply that some of them aren't but there's some very interesting ones and the first one Kieran comes from Nathan Edge uh, Nathan Edge says could you tell us how much on average say in the last decade it costs a club to get promoted out of League 2 League 1 and the championship. And again, this is one of those questions that crops up from time to time because it's it's a fascinating one. I'm sure it's a pub debate that people are having all over the place about how much it actually costs to get out of the championship and, and what's the cheapest you can do it. And we'll be talking about Luton Town later on, who, who mm. could well be the cheapest to, to ever do it. Well, um, this is, you can imagine, and thank you very much, Nathan, for sending me into spreadsheet heaven. Um, <laughs> I, I went through all of the accounts of the clubs that have been promoted from the uh, from the championship. Um, on average, it cost them thirty two million pounds in the season they were promoted. But if you add the losses of the five previous seasons, 
it worked out as 114. Wow. And that's an awful lot of money to uh, get to the Premier League. And if we take a look at uh, Sheffield United and Leeds, which are the only two clubs that made a profit in the Premier League last season, they made profits of respectively nine and seven million pounds. So awful lot of effort for relatively little gain. When we drop down into League One, it, it averages around about three million pounds per season. And to get from League Two to League One, the average losses of those clubs was 1.2 million. So yeah, it, 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 I think it, uh, it reflects the, the casino nature of life in the championship. Mm. Um, and provided you, you, know, you, you, can, you can absorb those losses, then you know, okay to those owners. But as we've seen, sometimes the owners get bored and, uh, and throw their toys out of the pram. Yeah. And that's, that, that's a much bigger issue. It it does beg the question, Kieran. If you're looking at 140 million pound, as you say, to get into the Premier League, and you're not likely to make a profit, and if you do, it might be 10 million pound. You're more likely to lose 100 million pound. Why aren't more club owners saying to the fans, "Look, don't get don't get so excited about this. It's, it's not too bad where we are." Because I can't think of a single example of a club saying it's not the worst thing in the world if we're not in the Premier League. Every single owner seems to be to have to be in the Premier League and every single fan seems to think their club's a failure if they're not. Yeah, yeah, I mean the the one the one benefit of being in the Premier League is that if you're looking at clubs in the Championship um and you're trying to flog it, you you'll be lucky to get more, you know, 30 million pounds is probably the going rate. You might you know Leeds probably got closer to 50, but they you know for for 17 or 18 years, Leeds were probably the biggest club in the championship, and, mm. and that was reflected. Um, if, if you get to the Premier League, especially if you, you get your, your feet under the table for a couple of seasons, you can then sell for around about 200 or 200 plus. Um, but quite often, the, the owners then hold on for a season too long. The club does go back down, and, and again, they're looking to sell at a for what they paid for it. Um, it, it's 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 the allure, you know. It, mm. it it, but all that glitters is not gold, uh, as uh, as we know. I have to say, Kieran, let's talk about Derby County for one minute, but just the football, just just a little treat for those Derby fans listening to this. As I watched them play Fulham last night, and my God, they were fantastic, and the fans were just magnificent. And Rooney's doing a brilliant job, so I, I'm really pleased that whatever happens, they were able to show the rest of the country on TV last night how defiant they are being because their fans were magnificent last night uh technically a palace player who scored that goal but i I thought they were brilliant and i i really do hope they stay up and i really do hope they come back if they don't because i think the championship is a better place for them and and when the awards are being dished out at the end of the season they need to find one for rooney i know technically statistically his record isn't brilliant but it, it blinking is especially at home they were fantastic yeah, there's, there's that, and also I've I've spoken to some members of staff uh, at Derby County, and he is keeping that place afloat. Really, because okay. he's the only person that's going around geeing everybody up, you know, putting an arm around people who who are worried about losing their jobs and their yeah. futures. Uh, he has been absolutely magnificent, uh, and uh, is an absolute credit uh, to too many people. Hear his accent prejudge Wayne Rooney as 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 a bloke as a, a, as as a as a really good guy 
and uh, there are other people at Derby or connected to Derby who I cannot say that, and I think I will never say that for the rest of my life. Yeah, well, I'm slightly worrying. Uh, Kirchner, the potential new owner, was was very much front and centre last night, and Sky focused on him quite a lot. But without being able to give any real positive news about his potential takeover, do we know anything more, Kieran? Um, the the offer is there. Um, it's going to involve other people having to compromise their position uh, in terms of HMRC. Uh, I'm, if, if, if the stories I've heard in respect of the unsecured creditors are correct, they're going to take they're going to take an absolute hammering. Um, and uh, he's he's trying to pressurise the EFL to imp- into impose the fifteen point right, penalty no, this yeah, season. Yeah. No hope. No right. hope. Our next question comes from Toby Daniel. Um, and Toby says, would you be able to explain the recent development among Premier League clubs, which have now placed a temporary ban on, and I quote, pre-existing business relationships being allowed to sponsor clubs? I'm hearing that Man City abstained from the vote as they considered this move unlawful. Is it unlawful? In fact, what does it all even mean? That's a sentiment echoed by me, Kieran, because I read this question quite often. And you know my no research policy, so I've been looking forward to hearing what the answer is. <laughs> right. A pre-existing business relationship means that there is some connection between the football club and the sponsor, normally linked via the owners. So so that's, that's what they're referring to here. Um, and historically, what the both the Premier League and the EFL and UEFA have said is that if there are any sponsorship arrangements between such parties, um, then they have to go through what's known as, as a fair value assessment, where the Premier League or the EFL will go out to a marketing company or a brand agency and say, what do you think you should pay for this uh, sponsor arrangement? Then compare it to the amount that is being paid. And if they think it's too much, they'll either ban the deal or they will say, well, you're being sponsored for 30 million quid a year, but our 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 uh, our uh, red bespectacled uh, advisors say that it's only worth 10. So it's only going to count for 10 in terms of FFP. Right. Um, so, so this is to discourage uh, Newcastle United signing lots of lucrative deals with uh, companies based in Saudi Arabia or companies, should I say, uh, linked to the owners. Um, as far as it being unlawful is concerned, it's not unlawful to sign the contract. Um, it's not unlawful, in my opinion, for the Premier League to have this fair value assessment Mm. um, because ultimately the Premier League is a members club and like all members club, it doesn't matter whether it's a a club that you go to as as a cricket club or a a bowling society or or just a, 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 a club for comedians or a club for people that like spreadsheets. You set your own rules, mm. so so it's not illegal, um, but the aim is to stop um, what the uh, what the clubs who fear Manchester City, sorry, the clubs who fear Newcastle and who resent Manchester City. It's to stop them from having significant increases in commercial income. 
I can only imagine what a committee meeting of a club for comedians would be like. But do we know that Man City abstained from the vote? Are we? Is this true? Do we know? Yeah, I, I'm, well, all that we know is that when the vote took place, there were 18 clubs in favour, one against and one abstention. Now, Newcastle were clearly the club who voted against. Yeah. It, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to, to uh, suggest that Manchester City were the abstention. Um, their existing arrangements with uh, the likes of Etihad Airways carry on because those have been assessed as being at fair value from a uh, from uh, yeah the fact that they've been going for for over a decade. Yeah, um, I just I think Manchester City just don't like the way the wind is blowing, um, and and they are also fully aware that uh, you know, there's there's no there's no loyalty there, there's no uh, there's no sense of togetherness in the Premier League, that uh, they're all stabbing each other in the back. And, uh, you know, whilst there were six clubs that, you know, initially joined the uh, the Super League, five of them simultaneously were trying to stab City in the back in, in terms of uh, their sponsorship arrangements. Mm. Uh, Chris Payne has our next question. Hello, Chris. And Chris says, on a recent pod, you mentioned that academy costs aren't included in FFP calculations. I assume that academy income is included through player sales. So doesn't this just reinforce the bigger clubs with the bigger academies by effectively subsidising first-team costs? Yep, Chris is exactly right. And this is uh, another consequence of EPPP, the Elite Player Performance Plan, Mm. which allows the uh, larger clubs to effectively factory farm all of the young talent um, in the UK, pay a relative pittance to other clubs that have developed those players, then um, quite often the, these players don't end up getting near the first team or they get a few games to the first team and they're sold on a substantial profit for those uh, bigger clubs. And you know, ev- every decision that's made in the Premier League is geared towards either concessions for the bigger clubs or um, add, adding to their revenue streams. It, it's it's a one-way direction of travel. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with Chris entirely. And our next question comes from Alan Shine. Um, I did with Alan's name what I occasionally do with some of our listeners, Kieran, and, and ponder, speculate as to what direction their nicknames went in at school. <laughs> uh, I wondered whether his hilarious schoolmates went down the glossy route or maybe the shine on Harvey Moon route. So he might be called Harvey. He might be called Gloss. Who knows? Uh, he might just be called Alan or Big Al or like I was Middle Kev along with Doris. Uh, I think on reflection, I preferred Doris to Middle Kev because there was a Big <laughs> Kev, a Little Kev, and I was Middle Kev. Uh, but Alan says, thank you for keeping me entertained on my 40-mile daily commute. You're very welcome, Alan. I'm a Berry a Berry AFC fan, and I was shocked when I found out that building a new ground for the club would be more cost-effective than getting Gig Lane back into a fit-for-purpose state. My question, therefore, is, as football fans in the UK with our undoubted passion and tribal nature, do we hang on to things for too long or make decisions based on the heart and not the head with respect to history and memories? Well, I, I think, Alan pondering your question as well as your name if, if if it was us fans making the decisions i think you'd be absolutely right we would be making them based on the heart but it's mainly businessmen making the decisions and, and therefore not but i think that that question from alan gets to the heart of what what this pod is about kieran really doesn't it yes i mean you know we, we are there to to focus on the the business side of the nature at the same time both you and i are 
what's sneeringly described these days as legacy fans, yeah. you know, people who believe that that football is more than a bottom line. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've always said if, if I listed my top 10 memories in life, half of them would at least would involve football-related events. And, and that's not to say that I don't love my wife or you know the, the arrival of my kids or anything, but it's it's that football is that shared experience which cannot be replicated anywhere else. Yeah. So it, it is, you know, and, and also uh, I, I spent forty years of my life living in Manchester mm. and supporting Brighton. That's just a really dumb thing to do, <laughs> but, it, but it's from the heart. And you can, but uh, Kieran, you can combine the the hearts and the footballs. Uh, we we left the church to glad all over, which was. Uh, so, you know, so, so I made sure that the happiest day of my life was also a football memory as well. <laughs> well, my, my wedding cake uh, had a uh, had a uh, was was made involving me uh, in a Brighton football kit, and and the Baroness uh, completely shit faced with a bottle of champagne slumped uh, slumped whilst I'm watching the telly. Oh, nice. Well, you're you're lucky you didn't take that cake outside because one of your flying rats off your badge would have been in there nicking stuff off it. <laughs> anyway, back to well, Albert's question. Well, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Well, the, the my my my, uh, my old dog did actually bite the head off the Baroness on the on the on the wedding cake. Which <laughs> I, <laughs> generally, <laughs> I generally had no idea where that sentence was going to end. <laughs> and unfortunately, as you found out, I had a mouthful of tea. I did. I, <laughs> I, I, first of all, when you said bit the head off the Baroness, I thought you meant you, he told her off. But now he actually bit the oasing head off the Baroness. Yeah, very good. <laughs> right. And, and sorry, uh, Alan, back to your question. Um, uh, I, I think um, Alan does does make a, a relevant point, but sometimes there we we can combine. So if if a uh, if, if a stadium move is dealt with the right way, um, then you can get the best of both worlds. You know, ha- having moved from from the Goldstone, and, and we, we've said this before, um, absolute yeah, shithole, absolute shithole, yeah. our shithole. Yep. Um, and th- there's no doubt that the new stadium is is far better in terms of facilities, in, in terms of catering, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and and so on. Um, so it, 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 if it's done right. Then it then it works. Um, it can also be in in the club's better long term interests because it can generate more money for the club. And if you generate more money from the club, therefore you can assign better players. If you sign better players, you can get better results. Um, so yeah, we, we've seen that at Arsenal and Spurs. Um, admittedly, they've struggled uh, against both our teams in in the last week or two. Mm. Uh, but but they you know Spurs for a club that's not won anything for for 60 years as far as the the top division is concerned they now have the the the, the stadium which generates more money uh from match day sales than any other mm. so so that there are some uh, financial advantages um I, I think things have to be done with uh, a nod in the right direction to the past but c- certainly in terms of general decisions uh you know you and I would would both hate to have to go and share stadiums with other clubs, mm. but from a financial point of view, it makes a hell of a lot of sense because you know a football stadium's open twenty five days a year. Mm. Well, if you've got two clubs sharing a stadium, you ha- you halve the costs, and it's open fifty days a year, and and all of a sudden financially it benefits. But from a cultural history heritage, all of those uh, points of view, uh, we'd, we'd hate it. I, I think I mentioned Kieran. Um, 
in our last pod, I'd spent the day uh, before we recorded that pod, I'd spent the day in a, a TV company office with about 15 or 16 various other people, all big football fans. Um, half of them, I would guess, under the age of 30, a couple of them under the age of 25, who all feel about football exactly the same way we do. I think Agnelli and people like that who chuck this label, legacy fans, out, assuming that it's only fans of our age, are absolutely and completely wrong. They're young football fans, in my experience, are just as passionate about the legacy and the history of their clubs as we are. But what's interesting, by a spooky coincidence, one of the subjects we talked about at length in this meeting is the next question. And it comes from Ooh. Jack Ryan. I know, isn't that, isn't that spooky? It comes from Jack Ryan. If if, if I believed in uh, astrology and that sort of thing, I would... Uh, I, I don't, because I'm a Torian, so I'm naturally superstitious. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always wonder, every time I say astrology, I think, have I said the right one? Astronomy? Astrology? Oh, no, never mind. Um, but Jack Ryan says, and this is a... It, it's been... The, the subject of quite a few funny memes from a lot of people. I'm keen to ask a question about our favourite cyclist, goalkeeper, YouTube blogger, Ben Foster. Uh, although I haven't seen it since the Hornets got promoted, he's still doing it. I'm wondering how Foster was able to get away with recording himself in goal during live football matches and editing the content for his YouTube channel. Surely this would have violated broadcast terms with the AFL and Sky because he's still very visibly putting his GoPro camera in the back of his net for each game, isn't he? Uh, yes, well, you're absolutely right, Jack. Um, ben Foster was in breach of oh. broadcasting rights, and uh, the EFL and Sky decided to uh, have a, a quiet word, oh. shall we say, with him. Um, and what he what he agreed to do was to to pay a fee, and it was a nominal fee. You know, right. we're, we're not talking you know huge amounts of money, but uh, the, the EFL and Sky are absolutely right to to protect their intellectual property with regards to this. Um, so he agreed that there had been a breach, and he he said, well, from the proceeds of the YouTube channel and so on, he he was going to pay a fee to the EFL and Sky. Um, but that money has gone to mind the the mental health charity, okay, which good. is which, um, which is uh, you know one of the, one of the charities favoured by the EFL and Sky. So so some good has come out of this. But um, you know if if you if you want to to broadcast from matches, then then you've got to pay the people that that have those particular rights. So he he was in breach. Um, he he did forecast Brighton for relegation at the start of the season on his YouTube mm. blog. So uh, I. Just like to say thanks, 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 Ben, for the uh, six points from Watford this season, um, and uh, I, w- I wish you wish you all the best. Yeah, well, Chris Sutton predicted the Palace would go down, but we haven't taken any points off him. But I can't wait for the next time I see him. Um, <laughs> uh, good Friday, Kieran saw uh, some very very good Championship games. Also saw the disgraceful uh, sight of Middlesbrough fans having to trek to, to Bournemouth for an afternoon kickoff on Good Friday, which was ludicrous. But there was a fantastic result for Luton Town beating Nottingham Forest, and Sean Lioness would have been a very happy man. Sean says, as a lifelong Luton Town fan, I was wondering if Kieran could dive into the finances. I think he might be able to do that for you, Sean. (laughs) I think he might find the time to do that for you. Uh, Could Kieran dive into the finances and show how the 2020 consortium have taken us from non-league to the top half of the championship over 13 years? Can they be a leading example to other clubs below us that you don't have to break your bank and put your club in jeopardy to achieve success? 
Oh, ab- absolutely, um, uh, Sean. Uh, Gary Sweet and his team, and we've had we had Gary on the show. I think it was one of, very, one of our very first guests, was, met, yes. met, uh, yeah. a long, long time ago. They've done they've done a magnificent job, and they've done it on the basis of set a budget, stick to a budget, have a team as opposed to a collection of individuals, mm. um, and operate accordingly. So they 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 budget to lose a certain amount of money, and what they don't do is is get giddy. And, and overspend. They, they don't gamble. Um, and there's a lot to be said for this. So if we take a look at Luton Town, the Luton Town squad, and Luton are presently um, in a uh, in a playoff place yeah. to, to be promoted to the Premier League, the Luton Town squad costs £4.8 million. Pounds. What is, wow, really? That, that <laughs> is just incredible. Um, and what's, and I think, what's their wage bill? Do you really know? Their wage bill, their wages average six grand a week. What? Uh, the the average in the championship is fifteen and a half grand a week. Wow. Um, there is one player who uh, played in that uh, that that derby versus Fulham match um, that we mentioned yesterday. Yeah. There, there is one player for Fulham who earns more than the Luton starting eleven. Wow. Uh, by himself. Um, so uh, they they've done it by. By having a, a right approach, um, so, and sometimes you're looking at right fit. So Nathan Jones was the manager. He left to go to Stoke. He wasn't the right person for Stoke, yeah. and Stoke wasn't the right club for him. He's come back, and, and sometimes it is that that hand in glove relationship, um, which means that it just it just works. Um, and yeah, Nathan Jones as uh, Nathan Jones is is. One of those lovely barking mad managers as well. <laughs> that uh, a, fr- a friend of mine played for another club, uh, a- another club where-, where Nathan Jones was playing at the time, and I believe that Nathan Jones is is, is a man of faith. He he does have uh, you know his religious faith, and, yeah. and you have to respect that. Um, and therefore, one of his rules was that he never bought drinks on a Sunday, but. Um, from from my, my friend told me what Nathan used to do was when they were out on a Saturday night at quarter to midnight he'd go and buy six rounds. So, <laughs> so this, this, this was his way to keep to keep in with the man upstairs um, as well as being the party animal. Um, that uh, and, and I know lots of Nathan Jones stories, none of which are repeatable. Uh, so well, I can I can tell you about my friend Roy, who's listening to this pod, who has a similar arrangement. He absolutely refuses to buy a drink. Uh, on a Sunday, um, and he's so committed to it that he he keeps it going through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. <laughs> yes, Roy, I am talking to you. I'll see you in the Weatherspoons at half nine tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> the, the, the problem is, Kieran, that if if Luton were to get promoted, which I think everybody would think was fantastic, it's always good to see. Well, not a new team; they were a, a top division team back in the in the early eighties. But on that budget, they're not going to attract. The sort of players that will probably keep them up, aren't they? They can't offer really top class players those wages, and if they do, you run the risk of alienating the players that are already there. And then, of course, there's mm-hmm. the temptation when it comes to November, December, and they're they're almost adrift at the bottom. Which I'm not saying that would happen because people predicted that about Brentford. You know, do they then change their policy and their system and spend money to bring players in to try to stay up? Or do they just accept that they may only have one season in the Premier League? That's the difficulty financial-wise, and that's almost what we talked about right at the top of the show, isn't it? Yeah, I I think under Gary Sweet and Co., they won't gamble with the future of the club. 
we've seen with Sheffield United, you know, Brentford have, have been fantastic this season. Um, we saw it with Huddersfield Town. Uh, we saw it with Hull City a few seasons ago. The clubs that everybody said they're straight down. Yeah. Well, yeah, again, if you've got a good dressing room, yeah. That yeah, and, and yeah, we talk about Derby County. You know, under they've they've lost all their players. They've only got five players in contract at the end of of June. So you might think that some players are thinking that's a 50-50 ball. I'm not going to go for it because yeah. you know, I'm, yeah, I'm out yeah, of contract yeah, yeah, in a couple yeah. of months. But no, Wayne Rooney has got those players rallying around, fighting for the cause. And that's what Nathan Jones and Gary Sweet and everybody at Luton have done. You can do that. Can can it last forever? Possibly not. But you know, Burnley have been in the in the Premier League for six seasons. And and I did an analysis. Yeah, when when the ludicrous decision oh. to sack Sean Dyche was made, I, I I I mapped Burnley's wage bill to where they finished in the Premier League, and every single season their position in the Premier League was higher yeah. than their position in the wage table. And there, you know, we we had Stefan Stamansky on the show on on Thursday, and he was the guy that actually did all of the research, which says wages 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 drive success. Not the other way around, really. Um, so, so Burnley have overachieved for a number of years. You, you know, there's no reason why Bert, why Luton can't do it, uh, but I think they have to have the right man there, and they've got the right man there. The champions of grooming are here to save your balls. Let's be real. We all know Manscaped is the world champion of below-the-waist grooming. The Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 will have you feeling sleeker than an otter called Ronaldo. Just make sure you're keeping your Nottingham Forest under control. You wouldn't want to get yourself in a scoring position just to have your Lionel Messi balls blow it for you harder than PSG in the away game. Come, get the best ball products your money can buy earn with the code PRICEOFOOTBALL at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on your order. Manscaped gives you the ultimate grooming package for a champion. It includes the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker for your nose and ear hair, multiple ball formulations, a travel bag, and even a pair of boxers. The performance package puts the ball into footballers, And you can't forget about their liquid formulations to keep your balls fresh. And you can't forget about their liquid formulations to keep your balls feeling their best from kickoff to final whistle. Use the Crop Cleanser to clean your body, the Crop Preserver to stay fresh, and their Crop Reviver to give your balls a boost at half-time when you're changing ends. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code PRICE OF FOOTBALL. That's all in capitals at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PRICE OF FOOTBALL. Roll with Manscaped and get the championship package for your package. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Sean Dyche situation uh, in our next news pod yeah. on Thursday because the news broke after last week's pod and, and there are a few rumours floating around at, as to the, why the timing of the of the sacking and about his contract. So we're looking into that first, but we will be discussing that because to all extents and purposes, it's a ludicrous decision um, and it's hard not to think it won't 
come back and bite them in the bum, as they say. And also there's talk, I believe, Kieran, that there is a, a clause in the contract that Burnley to go down and the new owners have to offer the club back to the old owners. So we're looking into that and we'll discuss that in some detail in the next pod. In the meantime, uh, Justin Rice raises a very interesting question. Justin says, I'm a Sheffield United fan and I'm not against our, our owner, Prince Abdullah, at all. But with all the controversy around the Newcastle takeover, I'm a bit confused why the Saudi ownership of Sheffield United isn't under scrutiny in the same way. What is the main difference? Well, um, I think there's, there's a few differences. First of all, it's not in the Premier League, right. so oh, okay. yeah, the, right. the, the, pre- the Premier League. Um, so, so they're not. You know, I know that they were in the Premier League for two seasons, but they, this dispute it came across as a dispute between two individuals. Kevin McCabe and, and Prince Abdullah, and, and it was. Yeah. Um, secondly, if we take a look at the issues with regards to Newcastle United and PIF, the accusation there is that it is the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia who owns Newcastle United, um, and effectively being the crown prince is is calling the shots here. Now, that went to a legal case. Uh, our friend Nick DeMarco operated on behalf of, um, of Newcastle and and successfully defended, you know, amongst other people, mm. successfully defended Newcastle's honour there. Um, and, and I'm meeting Nick for the first time ever uh, in ten days, so I'm so I'm dead excited uh, at doing that. Uh, um, you're not you're not meeting him in court, are you? By the way, just so I know. He's, he's, well, if 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 uh, I've I've asked, would he ever defend Uncle Terry? And he said, <laughs> there are there's, some things there's, even Nick DeMarco can't do. Kieran, for the that's level. right. <laughs> um, so, so if we then look at Prince Abdullah, um, the the Saudi royal family and uh, is is vast, um, and uh, Prince Abdullah's father had twelve kids, and Prince Abdullah's father um, was not, you know, he was not. Whilst he's a prince, it wasn't directly linked to uh, the, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia ruling leaders. Uh, you, know, you, you can be a prince through through quite a few connections. It's, it's a bit like um, when Uncle Terry introduced me to Uncle Reg and Uncle Ronnie uh-huh. when I was about three years old. I go, who's, 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 how, how, how are we connected? And, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, we all had uncles in those days uh, in, in South London. Uh, so, so, th- so that they're not as closely connected to the ruling parties. Uh, Prince Abdullah has made his money through paper mills and, and things like that. He's, he's never claimed to have the, the level of wealth that the PIF uh, have to, 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 in theory, invest in Liverpool, uh, sorry, invest in Newcastle. And therefore, because the club's not been spending vast sums of money, it's tended to go under the radar. You've never told me before that the, the craze used to dandle you up and down on their knee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pop, pop, pop around for a mivy. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, well, I, I, should, I should probably try and find a memory of the Richardsons bouncing <laughs> me up and down. Although I, I have told you, yes, one of my uncles did claim to be the craze uh, third choice get, getaway driver. If the other two were off sick, he was the third choice getaway driver, which in practice meant <laughs> he picked up the kids from school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, now, our next question comes from Ryan Marr, uh, although it could be Mayer. It's one of those simple names that causes so much trouble in Ireland because everyone with a surname pronounces it differently. But let's go with Ryan Marr because that's a kid at my school uh, pronounced it Marr. But whatever, Ryan says that he absolutely loves the podcast, so much so it has sparked a greater affinity for all things sports finance, and I've now enrolled in a Master's in Sports Management. 
Oh. If I hate it, I blame you, but I don't know why I'm getting the blame for this. <laughs> I don't recall encouraging anyone to get involved in it professionally. Uh, if I hate it, I blame you both. If I love it and I get a top job, I may consider sending an invoice. Emphasis on the may. So he already, he's, got, he's already got the mind of an accountant. I may consider. <laughs> um, anyway, says Ryan, my question, and good luck with your new career, uh, Ryan, however it goes. Absolutely. The very best of luck. My question is relating to Hib's new arrangement with fan tokens and their partnership with Sportim on Go. The club says this will provide a six-sig of sum each season, and it's the fans that will get the most benefit from it. However, a lot of supporters seem to be wary of this. I think we've discussed that they are across the country at every club, as it could diminish fan engagement and decision-making as season tickets and shares may become more meaningless in their worth. Also, there seems to be a lot of controversy around this, with Norwich City ending their collaboration with the company in the summer. Is this a type of Saudi PIF thing where it has lots of faults, but hey, it offers clubs cash? And is it something we just have to get used to coming into the game? Right. I mean, um, Sportimon Go, it, it's a bit like uh, Pokemon Go, which was that sort of augmented reality uh, game, which, which, which was the rage a few years ago. Um, so it does involve NFTs. It does involve fan tokens as well. Um, but apparently you can, and how you how this will actually work, work I don't know, and frankly, I don't particularly care. <laughs> um, what Sportimon are trying to do is they are, they are seeking credibility and legitimacy through sport. Um, and and there, there was actually a really good article in, in, the, in the Financial Times of all places, which said that football's relationship with cryptocurrency, NFTs, and so on, was one which should not be encouraged because what we do to a certain extent, and, and perhaps we we ought to take more responsibility to ourselves, but we assume that our football club is of a, of a high moral and ethical yeah, standing yeah, and, yeah. and will have done some research. Um, and there's also issues such as pester power from kids such that if they start to to sell these tokens and a few kids in the playground start start getting them, then there's pressure on other kids because you don't want to be missing out. Um, and this will help clubs to generate extra money. Um, but I don't know any football fan who has ever said, my relationship with the football club would be enhanced through having the digital ownership of a picture or of five seconds of history of the club, which mm. I can claim to be my own. Mm. Um, I mean, what 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 we're effectively selling here, and, and if you probably go back about 20 years, remember there was all the rage where, where you could buy a star with your name on it and, and you'd write off and, and then somebody says, yeah, you own you own the, the third quadrant star, number six from the left, and it's now named after your dog or something really daft. And you'd pay... You'd pay 50 quid or 25 quid or whatever it was, and you get a, a certificate of, of authenticity. And then you realise, hold on, I'm, I'm just being mugged off here. <laughs> and, and it, yeah, and, and, and that's, that's the concern. Um, yeah, who, who does want uh, a, a, a picture of, uh, you know, a, a Hibs reserve left back? Uh, portrayed in cartoon form, gurning away, and perhaps you'll get an aardvark cartoon, an aardvark next to him on the picture, just to add a bit of wackiness. Um, is is that is that an investment? No. If if that's what you want, yeah. If that's if that what floats your boat, 
for heaven's sake, go for it. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But it's the constant nudge, nudge, wink, wink. This is um, this is a, an investment uh, that's coming through from people that describe themselves as traders or experts or or knowledgeable in the field. Um, earlier this week, uh, an NFT. Uh, of the first ever tweet, so you know, yes. you know Twitter. Twitter is big. Yep. The NFT of the first ever tweet was sold a couple of years ago. I think it went for four million dollars. Yep. This was you know by yep. Jack Dorsey, and you now have a digital certificate of authenticity, and that's what you're paying for. You through blockchain, you get the certificate of authenticity, and then it was resold, and it went for two hundred and forty dollars or something ridiculous. Yep. It went from four million to two hundred and forty dollars, and this is for something which, let's be honest, is pretty damn iconic. Yeah. Um, so if, if that can fall in, in such a value, if Liverpool can't sell 90% of theirs, if John Terry's fall in value by 90%, I'm hugely upset by that. If, if, uh, if Arsenal and PSG, if they can't do it, then it does indicate that the market is either not working or it is just as you know, it, it is a, you know, a tulip bubble or a South Sea bubble or or or, or a load of nonsense. You know, if, if you want to do it, then then add it to the fact that you are the lord of Oktamukti Island in you know, an, an uninhabited piece of rock in Scotland. Add it to your star that you own, but but don't but don't think of it as an investment. Yeah, I, I was slightly worried for a moment when that news about that first ever tweet valued falling was that John Terry had, in fact, spent four and a half million quid on it because he's got enough problems on his plate. Also, that business of selling stars, imagine how those people would have started to panic when Elon Musk said he was going to bring people to space. Again, oh, my <laughs> yes. God, we didn't see this happening. Um, the tulip bubble thing, uh, I can, we haven't got time to talk about that now, but anybody who has any interest in history, there are several really, really good books about the tulip tulip bulb trade in Amsterdam in particular in the 17th century. I haven't sold that very well, but it's amazing because it became Mm. the biggest, most valuable commodity in the world for a a short space of time. Tulip bulbs were worth more than gold, more than saffron even. Can you imagine that? Which I I get really cross when I'm watching cooking programs and people go, ah, saffron's the most expensive spice. Well, you're putting a fucking lot of it in that soup. (laughs) See, that's that's the first time I've sworn on this podcast, and it's about the overuse of saffron in soup. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And you call me bourgeois. I do. (laughs) It's terrible, isn't it? Um, Apologies to any Hibs fans listening who may be thinking, hang on a second, our game was being played this afternoon. Why haven't you mentioned that? It's because I think it was still going on. They were still hitting each other the last time I checked Um, uh, (laughs) and arguing about red cards. Uh, Hibs were losing, unfortunately, the last I checked. Uh, Tom Atkins and ha- Tom Atkins, I beg your pardon. I'm sorry, Tom. Tom Atkins is our last question today, and I like questions that start like this. I always like a question that starts. I was wondering what you thought to an idea which popped into my head, because normally these will go one of two ways, <laughs> <laughs> and I think experience tells us, Kieran, we know which way they normally go. Uh, but Tom Atkinson had an idea which popped into his head which could potentially curb the breaking of FFP rules. If a club breaks the rules, they become ineligible for promotion that season regardless of league position. Would it be legal? And more importantly, do you think it would stop clubs massively overspending to get an advantage? Also, a quick shout-out to Spire Rights Right Podcast, if there's ever makes it on the pod, which I record every week with Matt and Oxley. That's... Uh, Let's not do too many quick shout-outs, people. But it's um, it's an interesting question that popped into uh, Tom's head, an interesting idea. What do you think? Um, 
I think it's a good idea in theory, but putting it into practice would be difficult. And the reason for this is that the accounts of clubs don't normally come out till March or April of the following season. Ah, so so right. what you could do is is that you could you could do something which would put you on the naughty step, but nobody would realise it. Um, for example, um, you know, we mentioned Derby County. Now, remember in, was it 2018 or 2019, Derby County and Aston Villa um, contested at Wembley for promotion to the Premier League. Both clubs had sold their stadiums to themselves. Um, and there was certainly, uh, there were eyebrows raised with regards to Villa's accounts that year because they lost an absolute shed load of money, but they got promoted. So therefore, they're outside the clutches of, of the EFL. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, the problem you've got is sometimes by the time these things come to light, you've already been promoted that that happened yeah. with yeah. QPR in 2014 they got promoted that season and and then they they got their their punishment it took 4 years yeah. for the punishment to come through because they're, they're entitled to defend themselves they're entitled to appeal and it becomes a, a pretty laborious and, and, and challenging process mm. so yeah w- would i like to have the equivalent of of the uh, of the untouchables who can just walk in like a you know, like a, a glorified offstead uh, to any club at any time um and uh, and go through the books if if they suspect something is is uh, not not uh, not working appropriately. Yes, I would. Um, but yeah, under the current system of self interest from clubs, that's highly unlikely. Oh, that'd be the job for you, Kieran, wouldn't it? Heading up an elite SAS type squad of accountants who can just kick the doors in at any club at any time. Just say, <laughs> show us the books. Oh, like the Sweeney. That'd be brilliant for you. The second Price of Football Live is now confirmed and booked in for Tuesday, May the 10th at the Wham Stadium, home of Accrington Stanley. And to all those people who have suggested that because it's the Wham Stadium, Kieran and I should do it dressed as Wham with badminton shuttlecocks down our shorts, it probably won't happen. Uh, and as Kieran doesn't drink, it probably won't even happen afterwards either. <laughs> One of us. Tickets will go on sale at 10 o'clock today, Monday, April the 18th, um, unless you're not listening to it on Monday, the April the 18th, in which case they're on sale already. So just check out the link in the description of this episode, and we'll also post the link on social media. Hope you can join us there. We look forward to meeting a lot more of you. And thank you to all those of you who have made a donation to the pod via our Patreon site. People are Alex Davidson, Barrow Hoyergaard. I apologise for mangling your name, Barrow, which I inevitably did. Nathan Edge, Ian Towers, John Hopkins, Thomas Martini, Carl, Melissa, Steve Dunthorne and Johnny McDaniel. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to our always free-to-air pod, go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, Email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to the still cock-a-hoop, Mr. Kieran Maguire, for his customary farewell. Well, uh, thanks as always, folks. And uh, we're hoping to see some of you at uh, Accrington at Stanley. Uh, our very good friend Andy Holt's going to be there as well. They've just spent a lot of money um, up, upgrading their facilities, and they look absolutely fantastic. They do. So you'll have a whale, you'll have an absolute whale of a time there. Um, and, and you know, for me to get to meet Andy again will be, be fantastic. He's he, he's one of the good guys in football. Um, if for Patreon, it's as little as a pound a month. Uh, and, and we, we genuinely appreciate everybody that does 
that does make that contribution. We know times are harder as well. Um, but if, if you want to show a bit of support in any other way, one one method of doing that is to go to your podcast app um, and give us a review. And if you could give us five stars, we'd be much appreciative. Um, apparently, it helps us in the charts. It helps with the algorithms that are used by Apple and Co. to to determine the the top top hundred or whatever it is of of sports podcasts. And, and we've we've been as high as number twenty two, I think, mm. uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Which which for such a niche show is is very unlikely. We are, we, um, are the, we are the Luton Town of podcast, Kieran. We are the Luton, exactly, exactly. Um, it, it doesn't matter what you say. You could say that you would you would rather have the show presented by Nathan Jones and and Kevin's friend Roy, and then they could argue <laughs> who's going to get the beers in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Roy will be so happy to hear you say that. He's, he, he'll take that as an endorsement. That'll be the first thing he says to her. Kieran wants me to host it, not you. Yes, all right. Thank you, Roy. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. The price of football. I sent for the ball. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.